Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> the Blair Witch Trilogy. I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry because it is my fault. Because it was my project. missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads, um, a few other options we want to take advantage of and just try to put together some, uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? I'm so scared. Okay, in this episode, we're going to talk about all three Blair Witch movies. And what we're going to do is we're going to do each in turn. The uh, first one, Sharon and I have just seen. We're going to talk about it. Then we're going to go watch the second one. And on the same night, we're going to talk about that one. And then I'm going to finish off talking about Blair Witch, the 2016 film, which Sharon hasn't seen. So I can explain what happens to her and how it elaborates on the uh, series. Yeah, okay, so a little history of the first one. It was made over a couple of years by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. A couple of years from idea to actual finishing it off. The actual filming didn't take long at all. I think they got it done in like 10 days. It seemed to stem from the fact that they found documentaries about the unknown and the paranormal more scary than horror movies. So this was... They were starting this out around about 1993. My theory is they saw Ghost Watch. If you've not heard our Ghost Watch episode, that's one to listen to. I also think that James Wan, who made the um, uh, Insidious movies, also saw Ghost Watch. And so what they were doing was to, to rather than craft a monster movie where uh, which would behave like horror movies in the 90s, which, I mean, like if you consider how big slashes were in the 80s, they were kind of casting around for what the hell to do in the 90s. There was a couple more creature features because... Um, effects were getting easier to do with CG, but uh, they, these guys had no money, and um, they were trying to work out how to do a project that was very, very low budget, but also messed with people's heads. And so they figured out a uh, a more psychological approach to it, a more of a, like, it wasn't the first found footage movie. Let's find out which one was. I want to say Man Bites Dog. Oh, Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. Uh, if you've never seen the Blair Witch Project, oof, do we? Say, would you say to for people to watch it? I mean, what could they even expect? Like, should they listen to this first? Because if you listen to this, it won't be at all scary, or it'll be a lot less scary. Part of the problem, I think, is that found footage horror movies specifically have become such a yeah, thing. Yeah, they're ubiquitous. That. Doesn't is this one going to feel massively different from the more recent ones? Because this was a... T it may not have been the first one, but it was a touchstone, and it kicked up a whole bunch that started as a result and very of Very specifically, the fact that it was so low budget, the fact that they, you know, I think they they budgeted like $60,000 on mm -hmm. credit cards or something, and yeah. that was how, how they financed it. Um, and as a result, it's very... Raw? Simple. Yeah. Um. They do a lot with a very little. 
And as a result of that, it's very easy to look at it and think that there's there's actually not much there. Yeah, uh, its detractors tend to complain that, that it's not scary, that um, they could do better, that uh, it, it, they tend to judge it against other horror movies as though everything's equal and um, uh, and say, well, the, you know, there's nothing on show here. I don't like this. And especially the ending being ambiguous tends to piss off a lot of people. It certainly isn't the best made movie, but relative to what its actual budget was and what they were actually doing with it and for the phenomenon it created and the fact that it was one of the first um, movies to really be marketed using the internet uh, makes it pretty phenomenally important. Mm. I, I think if you take it for the fact that it is essentially a student film. Yeah. Um, it, it does not... Its very lack of professionalism mm. is part of what sells it. Yeah. Um, let's just... Uh, in all seriousness, I would say that anyone who's really interested in film probably needs to see this. So I'd say see the first Blair Witch Project. You don't need to see two or three, but see the first one, then come back and listen to the rest of what we have to say about it. Yeah, makes sense. You can find it anywhere on DVD, very inexpensively. Um, so what it was actually put together as was they just interviewed 2,000 people and the technique they uh, performed for each one was, right, you've been in jail for nine years, we've just cancelled your parole, what are you going to say? And if a person hesitated for even a second, they were ticked off the list. And um, these three all managed to completely improv a, uh, a re- believable enough response to that. They still get criticised for being crappy actors. Uh, but the, the whole point was that the film was, the script of it was a 35-page document which basically just explained roughly what happened. It wasn't a scripted, you have to say this now situation. The actors were basically told roughly what was going to happen, that they were you know, going to gear up. Here's all your gear. Here's who you are. Uh, this is the um, history of the Blair Witch, and uh, you can go and research this at Burkittsville, and uh, then go off into the woods, and every day they had to find what happened that day using GPS. So the actual directors of the film, Merrick and Sanchez, were out in the woods being the Blair Witch, while these guys were sweating it, um, wandering around, going crazy in front of the cameras. And they really were put through the paces here. I mean, you know, we give Leo DiCaprio Oscars for chomping down a bison liver. That was a very controlled environment, you know, relative to, uh, to this. These guys were fed one banana a day and a protein bar. Uh, you know, that came with their GPS stuff. It's it's a slow erosion, the film. You know, they start off happy and chirpy and, and then they're taken away from civilization. And it was basically eight days shot chronologically as, 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 you, as you see it. And they shot 19 hours worth of usable footage. And then Merrick and Sanchez just edited that down into an hour and 20. All of the rocks being piled up and all of the, you know, the, the twig monster dolls being hung up. That was Merrick and Sanchez. Uh, Heather and Josh in real life really didn't get along. Heather was quite snippy with him. And um, after a while, they changed the um, what they were actually doing. And uh, it was, I believe it was actually going to be Mike who got taken away. But it was uh, Josh who was taken away from filming. Um, and he got to go and eat at Denny's. 
uh, that night. And, uh, you know, he, he got some food, a proper square, and uh, he got to hang out with them and then go to a concert um, while the others were stuck in the woods. And it's a very, I will say, it's really human horror in terms of, like, you don't really much like these guys, but you believe they're real people. And so when they're reminiscing on, oh, I wish I could just have a cheeseburger or some mashed potato, that's real. That's them really wishing they could just get away from this awful, awful situation. That's them putting, being put through their paces worse than everyone who took part in Apocalypse Now. And the flip side of that as well, I think, is that um, part of the the fear that's instilled by the the movie, and it's it's more of an unease. It's not. Um, there's not a lot in it that is outright scary, and I think that's there's where very little in the way of jump scares in the modern yeah, context. Yeah, and I think that's where it falls it's down. It's a sense a lot of creeping for, dread um, for a lot of people who, for whom that is the kind of horror that they want. Oh yeah, they want something that's going to grab them and shake them, and then let them laugh about it and come down from it. They want the you know the peaks and spikes, and this doesn't have that. Um, it's a it's a sense of being you you're more worried about what's coming next and a lot of that is the conflict between them Mm. um and that's what i found watching it this time because my my history with this film is a little bit patchy i was aware of its existence when it first came out but i didn't see it for years the first time i saw it was actually um it would have been probably late 1997 because it was my first year of uni you saw this two years before it came out that is spooky as shit hang on I thought you said it came out in 93. No, no, they started in 93. It took years for them to actually get it done. It was 99 it was released. Oh, right, okay. Well, in that case, it wasn't until, like, my second year of uni that I saw it then. And I'll tell you why I'm a little hazy on this. Because I saw this film in a room full of pot smoke after wandering around a city very late at night, having had nothing to eat and being more than a little drunk. And I was very not present in the room when I saw this and it freaked the crap out of me. Jesus. Um, and as a result... That's I not the best of, way, Fox. No, no, it really isn't. Um, so I kind of avoided seeing it again for quite some time after that. Hmm. Um, and watching it this time, I was very much kind of... Not thinking about what was going on in terms of, you know, is there a witch there? Are they going to get grabbed and and jumped and all the rest of it? But it wasn't um, about the surprise because you know what happened. Yeah. It's just more about going through your deal it's, again. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's about watching, or for me this time it was about watching them break down. Um, and the... Going from civilised to absolutely freaking out. Yeah, and the patterns of, you know, broken sleep and messed up meals and um, overexertion and... Dehydration as well. They weren't getting anywhere near enough fresh no, water. they really weren't. Um, which fucks your brain up. It does, very quickly, in fact. And sleep deprivation will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more anxious you get, the more difficult it becomes to make good decisions. And I actually... One of the things that, that we discussed while we were watching it was the fact that really, at no point, do they ever come to the conclusion that following the creek downstream 
would be the smartest way forward out of this. Yeah, that uh, that made me kind of annoyed while I was watching it because it was, I, you know, it's very natural to watch horror movies and go, well, this is what I would do. Mm. But Heather is supposed to be an experienced hiker. She says. She is supposed to know what she's doing. She has, you know, plenty of, of sort of survival guides and um, that this is something that is, is so basic that it almost seems incredibly odd that they don't at least think about doing that. Yeah, no one actually says, should we just follow this, the creek downstream? Eventually it will lead to a large body of water. Eventually, thus, it will go under a bridge, which is a road. Mm. We get on the road, we just keep walking. Yeah. Um, you know, worst case scenario, you follow the woods all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Yep. <laughs> don't, you don't go upstream because eventually you'll find a spring and then that'll be the end of the creek. And But, and but just downstream. This is for but, you folks if you're lost in the woods. ultimately, like I say, all of the elements that conspired to make them so paranoid in the first place also make it difficult to, you know, reach sensible information in your brain in the first place yes yeah. the dehydration for example that that's another reason why following the creek is such a good idea because there's only one thing you got to do just keep walking yeah. just keep it, walking it takes those decisions you, yeah. away from you you don't have to argue about this or that it's basically look i'm going to carry on following the stream if you want to do anything else you can do that but i'm following the stream yeah um but it was intriguing to to see how they played out this sort of how your your brain slows down and can't reach logical conclusions when you're you you haven't slept for days. You've been had, had everything denied you. Yeah, and yep. you're scared and you're lost and you're not thinking clearly and they they seem so young. Yeah. They're supposed to all be in their early 20s. There's not an there are many many scenes where they just act like tiny children. Yeah. Not even necessarily in an overly negative way. Even when they're when they're trying to resolve things, um, there's a, a couple of scenes where um, they get very angry with each other, and there's a little bit of a, an outburst, and then it kind of they generally tends to end with the camera being switched off, and then it cuts to them trying to reconcile afterwards. Yeah. Um, but Mike particularly um, had a tendency to resort to very childlike language when he was trying to um, get everybody to make up. Yeah. Um, and it it just it seemed very consistent. Hmm. There's, I mean, we've we've said before many times about how inconsistency of character is one of the things that that really breaks a, a movie. Hmm. Um, and I may not have liked them or engaged with them massively, but I never felt that they weren't who they were portraying. No. Basically, uh, there's a different like if you're watching a, a horror movie with people who behave in ways that like you, you would behave and make smart decisions, and you can engage in it in that way. That's one kind of horror movie. If you are watching a horror movie where stupid people behave stupidly and you sadistically watch them die, that's another kind of horror movie. Guess which kind I like. Mm. Yes. Uh, that is not me passing judgment on the people who just like to see stupid teenagers get killed, but it get got a little old for me a long time ago. Also, you'd think by now they would have stopped going out on boats in strange lakes at night. And getting drunk, getting and, having drunk and having sex. Yeah. Certainly not on Crystal Lake. But the, the honest trailer for this one says, get ready for sticks. 
rocks. And it's like, ah, oh, we aren't scared of these. These aren't scary at all. It's silly. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're missing the point entirely, as honest trailers occasionally tends to do for the sake of a good gag. Um, and I'm sure Cinema Sins did far, far worse. You know, hate those guys. Uh, I do like honest trailers, though. But um, no, this film is categorically scary for a hell of a lot of people who became you know genuinely unnerved while watching it because it wasn't playing by the rules of what horror movies are supposed to do it wasn't holding them by the hand and giving them those you know the, the sort of the glossy cinematography and the sexy young people and the uh, you know corny one-liners and there's just just it wasn't even giving them the script it was plunging them into a really claustrophobic situation and I found this while I was watching Blair Witch yesterday um, the, the third one despite the fact that they're out in the open it felt really like they were trapped the whole time you know it's it's the most trapped you can feel while outside well the way they behave a lot of it is is akin to what you would expect from mm. cabin fever yeah but it's in the same way that you know we we actually feel envious of Groot uh, because he can express himself in so few words. They can the the filmmakers were able to make us shit scared with just some sticks and uh, a bundle of twigs with some teeth in it, which were by the way shipped there from an actual dentist, and uh, you know piles of pebbles and things and just like things the the fact that they're so small and innocuous and then just placed there in a really eerie fashion is enough. To set you off, and they spend a long time setting up the Blair Witch at the beginning, and even more so if you actually watch the documentary Curse of the Blair Witch, which was on TV a lot uh, when the movie was released in the summer of '99. And if you went looking around on the website, which made it uh, as if it was actually real events, and it, they listed the actors as actually missing in action uh, on the IMDb obligingly for a year before they uh, finally sort of came forward with, well, obviously this was whole thing was a hoax. And um, uh, people actually believed it in, in some cases. I came out myself going, is that is that real? Did I just watch a snuff film? And I seem to remember telling Paul Schott, and I think I might just have seen some actors die. And Paul um, responded back uh, over email, I think this was, uh, no, they were at the premiere. And it's like, oh, well, that's all right then. Phew. Um, <laughs> it's right. There's, there's something actually about it that, that struck me. It's It feels very 70s. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I would, it kind of follows the the setup of um, movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, the idea of right zombie movies as an example are about the scary coming into civilization mm -hmm. and the idea that civilization will not save you. Yeah. This and um, and there there are lots of other movies about how basically how close you are to the wilderness, and a lot of the time I think that's kind of peculiar to America. Yeah, because in America you can step out your back door, go for a little bit further, and then find yourself in a vast wilderness mm, because it's so big. Mm. And there's there's a point where Heather makes a remark about how um, they've just you know in America they've destroyed most of their natural um, wilderness. And um, her, her argument is that it's not possible that these woods just go on and on and on forever, which obviously they don't go on and on and on forever, but it is entirely feasible that they could go on and on and on for an awfully long way. Yeah, longer than they can walk. Yeah. Which um, is why you follow the damn stream. But but this is something that that 
sort of seems to me to have been utilised in, in American horror movies that it's patches of civilization surrounded by wilderness. It's very easy to get lost in that wilderness. It's very easy for there to be people in that wilderness doing things that civilization would not know or care about. Yeah. And that if you get lost in that, you're kind of fucked. No, that's the tree we crossed. That tree is down. That's the same one. Oh, God! No. Oh, no. You've got to be kidding me! This is a joke! No. This is not funny! Mike, just please stop. Please, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. No. No, Mike, it's not the same log. It's not the same log, Mike. Same log. Look, it's not. It is. Open your eyes. It's oh, not the same oh, log. Oh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the same log. I mean, I guess today south didn't work out, so tomorrow we'll go east. I don't, I don't know what to say, Josh. We walked south all day, okay? We walked south all fucking day. I don't know how we ended up here. It's it's merciless nature I've put down here in my notes. It just it it feels like there's you're removing the barrier that stops you from being out in the. And this obviously struck a chord with me because not only um, is that something that Annie says almost word for word in um, uh, Arlington when she's talking about uh, how you know you step outside your uh, your door and if you're in the wild, there is a quiet calm about nature in that it just it carries on going and you're just there and you could just be horribly killed and no one's going to be around. Like if you fall in the forest, does it, do you make a sound? Um, but I mean, obviously the, uh, the, the whole found footage thing struck a chord with me because the finale of secret rooms is a giant found footage scenario with the Vox tube. And when you're listening to it, this is James and Abigail's last recording, and so it's like nail-biting. 3 a.m. It's very dark and very cold, and we're hoping we can last the night. We'd stand a better chance if you shut that thing off and stayed quiet. I've felt some real peculiar things in the past hour or so, and I want to record them here. What? I've seen someone. A woman. Who? Greta? No, look at the picture again. Her. Charlotte. Charlotte. You think she's still in the house? I think part of her is. Abigail, she's dead. Yes. Oh. Come on, tell me you felt that. What? Like a finger. Really cold along my spine. 
This is... She's standing beside me. Jesus Christ, she's right there. We're in the bedroom now. Oh, God. Abigail, please, calm down. But they did so much with so little, and this ended up actually being the um, the second highest grossing independent movie of all time, uh, purely because The Passion of the Christ, which I believe cost a bit more, made a lot more from people just who were very, very serious about Jesus. A couple of people sent me the uh, uh, film theory, theory uh, that uh, this is actually the reality within the fiction of this if you um take aside from you know what appears to happen in the movie nothing supernatural actually does go on at all according to this theory it's josh and mike luring heather into the forest so that they can murder her i don't buy this theory whatsoever they go through far too much shit for what would otherwise be a really simple murder there are there's i think there's a a point when um, they're going ballistic at her and started to, you know, just crack up after the creek situation when they find out that they've, they've lost the map. And it's that point when they're, where both of them are just gibbering madly. They'd be like, oh, fuck, let's just kill her. And then they would kill her. And if that's the purpose of, of doing that, you know, like otherwise they have to then go off camera and go, no, no, wait, wait three more nights of dehydration and malnutrition and we'll lure her to the murder house and we'll go up the stairs and then we'll go back down the stairs. And then I guess we'll just have to disappear, go to New Mexico because we can't ever show our faces in polite society again. We've killed a girl and like framed a witch for it. And then they would then have to both disappear together very carefully. Machiavelli would look at the incredible complexity of their plan and the mind games that they're playing with her and the astonishingly natural acting that they go through, knowing exactly at which stage they would begin to crack up when, you know, when Josh is going to start crying. And, you know, they know their characters that well. It didn't happen. That's not the case. And especially with this third Blair Witch movie, which is in continuity with the first one, that definitely didn't happen, I can assure you, folks. So uh, all I'm saying is don't send me that video and go, ah, did you know? I know it's not the case. But, uh, you know, that fan theory, film theory guy gets a lot of views. So uh, a lot of people put a lot of stock in that, you know. Your mileage may vary. It is definitely worth, if you have the DVD of this, to watch The Curse of the Blair Witch, if you've not seen it before. It, uh, it sets up the whole kind of the history of, of Burkittsville and formerly known as Blair. And sort of like they've given you the various points in time where something terrible happens. And you noted that it feels a lot like they purloined the ideas from It, mm. a movie we're doing either next week or did last week. I think we're doing it next week, actually. Um <laughs> We're time hopping, folks. Yeah, we're time hopping. Ah, time hopping. More on that later. The, the idea that, you know, terrible evil things happen and then 27 years go by and after the evil has gone to sleep and then it wakes up again and the children start dying. That's straight out of it. Mm. Although in this, it's every 50 to 60 years, which means that... They, only, it so they only, change the year number. And, and the difficulty with that is that it only has to happen twice and then it passes out of living memory, at which point it, it can no longer be the, I heard this from my brother's girlfriend yeah. and this Sure was a shame what happened to those kids. Yeah. Which is what local legend thrives on yeah it requires old timers to be around who were kids back in the day or maybe it happened twice in their lifetimes 27 years nice round number (laughs) 
The the final call to the house, though, you know, the, the, there's the bit that everyone remembers where Heather talks directly to the camera, and you know, I'm so scared, and it's um, it's very effective to just give us that in a sustained moment. Like, you know, she's a, I would say she's a great actress, but she had so much to work with at that point that you know she really is freaking out, and you know, when they when they the uh, the tent starts getting hands banging on the side of it, and there's the sound of children. That was actually um, kids across the street from uh, Merrick. He'd recorded them on a boombox and then played it outside the tent. So they're banging on the tent. That's those guys fucking with them. That, that happens earlier in in the film. But so that all of their reactions are fuck. What the fuck is that? That's coming from a very real place. Even if they you know they they know it's the filmmakers. It's it, it's the perfect set. You know how when you give an actor an uh, animatronic model to be scared of rather than a CGI thingy, mm-hmm. um, they're more, they, they go, oh, I can act off that. They completely consumed their actors within the woods so that they would be method acting the whole thing. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis would look at that and go, that's a bit much for me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's... Uh, kidding me. Daniel Day-Lewis would be putting the rocks out. Oh, I'm a prankster actor. But, but so yeah, the, the, the final one to the house, it's genuinely unnerving. And the fact that they hold that back till the very, very end. And, and then, you know, it, it just every corner seems like there's going to be something horrible there. And then masterfully, they don't show you shit. They leave you with that horrible feeling of, well, what was that? What just happened? That drives people crazy. It drives people crazy when you pull the wall over their eyes. That's why Ghostwatch was so unpopular and you got people going, no, you, you're a big phony. You should have told us this was a hoax. They don't, people don't like We're that. We're not good with uncertainty. We don't like uncertainty. And we don't like not seeing the monster. We want to see the monster, apparently. I to that end like films with creeping dread where you don't see the monster or if you see the monster at all it's very very hidden in shadow that is so much scarier than a cg greebly or even someone in makeup compared like jump scares we are getting so numb to them that if you sit and watch all the trailers before a horror movie there's so many jump scares packed into that that by the time you start a new horror movie you're like okay right i'm all jump scared out now can we just get on with it it's really about selling the world and selling the concept and that's definitely something this whole thing was based on just selling the idea of like something's out there we don't know what but this is what has happened and that was pretty masterful in that th- regard it, it sets up the um the nervousness so well and the um the that feeling of dread that kind of suffuses the whole thing that when you do get those moments where they're running around in the dark and the cameras are here and there and all over the place and you're kind of you you're wanting to shout at them hold the camera still I want to see what's going on in that patch of trees over there mm-hmm. um, basically there are there were so many times when I'm like there was something go back no back to that I want to see what was there no there was something over there and there's nothing there's nothing around them, but you just get these flashes of its um, camera lights off branches and, um, you know, tangles of twigs and things like that. And, and you convince yourself that there's something there, which is what happens when you're out in the dark and you, you get jumpy about things. That's what makes horror stories work. You're more afraid of what might be there mm. than of what is confirmed to be there. Mm. I worked at Blockbuster in 99. This was one of the movies most frequently angrily brought back. And uh, I think I had the most demands for a different movie instead. Like, you know, this so dis- this satisfied me. It's so cheap. Why do people say this is good? It's not good. 
And the frequent one I heard was, I could have done this myself. To which my response back in the day was a snarky, well, why didn't you then, um, as they were leaving. Um, but uh, somebody uh, tweeted me the other day uh, when I was mentioning this to say that the idea that they could have made this themselves was not annoying to them, but empowering. It made them think, I could be a filmmaker. These guys made this on almost nothing. I could do that. And if that isn't continuing the chain of inspiration, I don't know what is. Uh, one final note I'll say uh, is uh, that if the actors ever wanted to break character, they had to say taco. <laughs> <laughs> they had to be... Because that's the other thing. Like, Heather was played by... Uh, uh, Heather Donahue is playing a fictionalised version of herself. She has been like, okay, right, I'm, I'm real Heather now. Taco. So they had a safe word. Pretty much. Not a lot of movies have that. I wonder if you could make this exact movie today without it just basically being, well, just copying Blair Witch, aren't they? Now we're going to go watch Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. And I don't think Sharon's seen this one. I saw it at the cinema in the year 2000. It was less than a year after the original. We'll see, shall we? Last summer, after the crowds left, five strangers returned to the woods to uncover the truth. But one of them has a secret that will unlock the curse. You know, if you don't believe in the Blair Witch, then why the hell did you bother to come? I thought the movie was cool. This fall, just in time for Halloween, the witch is back. October 27th, forget everything you've heard. Forget everything you've seen. Because this time, the truth is scarier than fiction. A brutal murder in the Black Hills discovered today. In the past year, the Black Hills area has been overrun with movie fans wanting to get a glimpse of where the Blair Witch Project was filmed. Okay, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, uh, released a year after the first one, surfing on the wave of sudden, incredibly unexpected popularity of that one, thrown together in God knows how many months. It's the polar opposite of uh, the Blair Witch Project, whereas the Blair Witch Project is put together to make it feel as real as possible and um you know they endeavored to uh like really subvert horror tropes and uh not um I'll, I'll cut it short um, <laughs> well never in the history of cinema has a sequel to an original movie come out so fast and been so wildly different in execution you could say troll 2 was wildly different to troll 1 a they weren't actually really connected it was just the the uh the cheating bastards that um who, who produced Troll 2, changed its name from Goblins to Troll 2 because it would make them more money. Uh, but also there was a span of years between the two films. Um, but I think that's probably about the, the, the closest to just in terms of like, the, this is not even in the same league sport. It's not even the same um, 
there's nothing like it is no, it's 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 a it's a weird kind of meta film in the central fiction of this film the Blair Witch project came out the year before and everyone went Blair Witch nuts and a bunch of people are all going on Blair Witch tours around the town of Burkittsville and that's that's the concept that's the conceit of the film where you know it's like oh was there really a witch out there when they made this fictional film and so that means you get uh, you get it's scripted rather than being improvised. It's lit rather than being all natural light. It's got hair and makeup and costumes, and it's got crane shots, and it's got a soundtrack, and it's got a score, and it is what you would consider to be more of a film. So when people came back and slammed down Blair Witch Project on my uh, on the desk at Blockbusters and said that's not even a movie. This is what they were asking for, basically, pretty much. Something with all of those features. It's kind of, it's almost, I could almost call this Hollywood going, you people don't deserve Blair Witch Project. Fucking this is what you wanted. Fuck you. Okay, for those people who do like this movie out there, it's it's okay to like a movie. That's fine. I don't know why you like it. Nothing about this film is good. Nothing. At all. It's terrible, beginning to end. It's shit. I was trying to think of something charitable to say about the performances. Um, Because I suppose they're kind of like workmanlike competent. Really? Sort of. That's right, friends. For two luxurious days and nights, my friends, you will walk the same path the witch herself once walked. Sleep on the same soil where her victim's blood was spilt. Possibly losing your own souls in the process. And I want to thank you all for coming on the inaugural tour of the Blair Witch Hunt. Inaugural? You mean you've never done this before? Never. Well, that's not what your website said. Over 10,000 satisfied customers. No, that's my web store. Stickman, t-shirts, official Blair Dirt, tours. We're all virgins on this bus. Hell of a town you got here. What century are they living in? Yeah, the gene pool's a little shallow here. Dive in, you'll crack your skull open. Hmm. Okay. So where are we going first? The ruins of Rustin Parr's house. That guy heard the voices to kill, right? Yeah, seven little kids were. Man, I hear voices all the time. Do we really need all this shit for a walk in the woods? The Blair Witch Hunt provides all amenities while you risk certain death and dismemberment. <laughs> Give it up. What's up with all this camera stuff? To record all occult phenomena that may manifest itself in the course of the tour. Damn. You're really running bullshit central here, aren't you? You know, if you don't believe in the Blair Witch, then why the hell did you bother to come? I thought the movie was cool. Please, this has been a terrible mistake. It's just stuff like that. Mm. It's... They're, they're committing. Are they? Sort of? No, it's terrible bad acting. Okay. It's, you know that bit in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang where the girl goes, oh, I've done some acting and it immediately cuts to her going, ah, and then a werewolf whaps her head the fuck off. <laughs> it's that level it's of acting. It's that kind of acting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we could have been watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang again.
It's it the the score is by Carter Burwell, and I just said to myself as we were watching the opening credits as the Marilyn Manson song played. And by the way, the fact that this starts with a Marilyn Manson song, considering what happened in the original Blair Witch Project, just it says so much about the audience that they think they're going for with this one. I just thought, oh, Carter Burwell, you composed the score to Miller's Crossing. How the mighty have fallen. So. Now, I quite like Marilyn Manson, but they were going for hot topic goths with this soundtrack. And that is, I think, their catchment. That's what Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 is created for and marketed at. Hot Topic Goths. It starts with kind of like, you know, shots of Jay Leno and Roger Ebert and talking about the original Blair Witch Project. And then we get to meet this complete dingus named, was it Jeffrey? who's, like, taking people on uh, this these Blair Witch tours. But it cuts back to, like, Jeffrey in the loony bin, like, a year a year ago, or was it a year after? I don't... Oh, no, that's... Looney oh. bin is now, and then it's, like, a year before. He, he has been um, in an institution before, so I think this is after the fact. Mm. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Which begs the question why he's living in that big, creepy old factory all by himself. Yeah. Either way, it's... It cut, you know, like, the stuff in House on Haunted Hill where everyone like they, they, they film a person swipping their head from side to side like that and then they play it in fast motion so it goes blah, 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 blah. that really shitty horror technique that we thought we'd seen the back of mm. if you go back to 2000 a lot of movies do that and then they play it backwards to make it even more creepy yeah oh there's so many clever things in this movie like so many hidden codes um <laughs> And so basically, it's sort of cutting back and forth, like, this is what happened that brought Jeffrey to his home in the loony bin again. And so these, these like, it was a, it's a guy and his wife and a goth girl who's painfully goth and a Wiccan girl who's painfully Wiccan. And Jeffrey's a creep and he's a painfully creepy creep. And they all go to Rustin Parr's house. That's the house from the Blair Witch Project, which the end of it. And it's like, uh, like, let's just hang around here. Drink beer, smoke weed, woo! party time and then they party they get sort of gate crashed halfway through the night by a bunch of other tourists and then they go get out of here chad croker and your blair witch walk and uh then they wake up in the morning and there's like bits everywhere and they're like what is this bits everywhere where are the tapes they're buried under the stones what happened last night and then how drunk was i (laughs) some gruesome personal female stuff handled in a really shitty way just coming up so i suppose trigger warning then the the guy and his girlfriend like the girlfriend who was pregnant um has dreamed of miscarrying and then um like there's blood all over her crotch and she's oh god i'm miscarrying and then they took her to by the way the the camera is jammed between her legs for the entirety of this scene is just horrendous a lot of the movie is spent there and that's true then she's rushed to hospital and she's like it's the most like upsetting insulting like fucking it's a strong flavour to stick in your horror movie the whole miscarriage thing and you know it's 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 not something that I am like it's got to be really worth it if you stick it in there like it's not even it's not really worth it in Devil's Advocate but it like straight after that 
that the husband goes, oh, that was bad. So I guess let's go to this maniac's factory where he lives <laughs> and we'll carry on with the tour, shall we, honey? Why are you not taking your wife home? At that exact point, I was like, right, fuck this whole movie and everyone in it. Why are you not just going home? What the hell? But let's cut a very long story short because it goes on for goddamn ever. One, when they get to this factory that, that Jeffrey lives and he's got a bunch of crap knocking around the place, they start having horrible flashbacks of what happened the night before. And um, the director apparently wanted to sort of show more of a psychological breakdown of um, of what, you know, happens to the characters. Um, but there's no exploration of any kind of psychological breakdown. What this really boils down to is they see fucked up shit. It's the laziest, cheapest, quickest, easiest way of like, I see a backwards talking girl ghost going backwards. Oh God, I see the, you know, scary faced children. Oh God, I see dogs when there were no dogs. I, I see things, you know, it's, it's bear in mind whatever you're imagining right now is a lot more effective than what's actually in the movie. It's painful to talk about. It is one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen in one of the worst genres I've ever explored. I don't like horror at the best of times. The the horrors that I do like are really accomplished. This is garbage. It is absolute garbage. It's not even funny bad because yeah. a lot of horror movies especially low budget Jason X movies, for example they get they're so awful that they're just silly and yeah. you can just laugh or that girl going ah and a werewolf whaps, whaps her, head her head off, off. in this fictional movie within um, <laughs> within Kiss Kiss, <laughs> kiss, bang, kiss bang, bang, bang that's better than Blair Witch 2 um, but th- it's just so miserable it is it's so unhappy and, and trite and and insensitive. Yeah, and, and the... I mean, like, it's a horror movie. Most horror movies are not sensitive, but ultimately this is just crass. But the, the argument on the part of the, the director um, that you pointed out, that he wanted to make something that was sort of an examination... A psychological breakdown. Of the psychological breakdown of this group of people in the aftermath of what had happened, and then basically sort of, I don't know whether they are repressing it, whether it really did never happen or what, but... It, you're just seeing a bundle of stereotypes. Like the Wiccans always wandering around naked because she's a witch and she's all witchy. And, they, and they're, just, they're just acting weird. They're, there is no psychological breakdown in the sense of we get to know their characters and then we get to see their characters degrade. deconstruct yeah, and degrade no. as they respond to what evidence they're presented with. You just... It's just them... And some fucked up shit. And then more bad stuff happens on top of that. As it turns out, when they they run the tapes backwards, uh, it's intercut, by the way, with lots of shitty scenes of, like, really close up, like, really horribly filmed, um, like, people committing a massacre. And, you know, obviously it's them. And it was obviously them from the very beginning when you, you keep seeing it throughout the movie. And this was stuff that was shot at the last minute in the director's backyard because uh, Artisan Entertainment, who, by the way, really need to rethink their name, uh, wanted more conventional horror in there because that was the big problem with the original Blair Witch Project. It was, let's make a more conventional horror. Really? That's what you want to do? That's, that's you know, the, the, like people hated it, but also people loved it. People were scared out of their minds. Mm-hmm. But the, the prudent thing to do is to make it more of a conventional horror. And make it more generic. 
Good idea. Just well done. Such a fucking good idea. Mm. And the fact that as well that it's on the, the back of that kind of late 90s, early 2000s wave of obsession with Wicker and, and that... Thank you, The Craft. Yeah, I mean, right, okay. Full disclosure, I was calling myself Wiccan when I was at uni and um, I've been a pagan for a long time since I was about 14 but I did go through a phase of of being quite into the Wiccan um, branch of that and kind of a lapsed Wiccan there there was so much in this that just had me going that's not a pentagram that's not what Widdishins means that's not what those symbols are Uh -uh. and just Okay, the the idea that Erica, who was sort of espousing all of this this Earth's child stuff, which, which does kind of make sense, a lot of what she was saying is a she lot. She was like, of what, "Oh, I feel real kinship with Ellie yeah, Kessler, the, the Blair Witch. Of, she was a good witch, and she, everyone got her all wrong, and they took her out to the forest to die." Posy Wiccan people do did kind of talk a bit like that, so that sort of makes sense. I'm sky clad, y'all. Right, Wicca was invented in the fifties. You can't couple it up with a woman who died in when did Ellie Kedwood die like like 1780 something a long time ago 200 years before and it just it it was frustrating well I mean also that was surfing the wave of like you know women were being killed left right and centre around that period because there was literally the Salem witch hunts yeah it is it's a that's nothing to do with Wicca and it's, uh, you know, the, with the Blair Witch Project, it would seem that within the fiction of it, they got it right. They were right about getting a bad witch at that point. And they, 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 they took her out to the forest, tried to kill her. Didn't work very well. So In this particular she stuck instance, around. They didn't do the duck test. If she weighs the same as a duck, she's made of wood. And therefore... So yeah, it turns out that those shitty tourists led by Chad Croker at the beginning that they met, that they killed horribly in the night. And then there's a police investigation. They round them up, but not before they've killed the uh, Wiccan. Well, the Wiccan girls ended up dead and it turned out Jeffrey killed her whilst possessed. But it's very, it's kind of paranormal activity. Like, this has got more in common with the shitty paranormal activities than it has with the original Blair Witch Project. Jeffrey was being possessed and and dispatched to her, and I don't know how he did it, because she's just dead by means unknown uh, and in the closet. Um, And uh, the guy whose wife, wife or girlfriend, girlfriend, spouse, miscarried, like, hangs her. And what we see is her goading him and being possessed by the witch, but what we see later in the videotape is her going, no, please don't kill me. And, you know, the idea is that the witch was brought back from the forest with them and has been messing with their heads ever since. Another puzzle that doesn't get solved. How the hell can you film burying the tapes when you need to film it on a tape which has to be buried? Forget it. And they just see fucked up shit and uh, then they uh, get sent down for it in the end. The, the three survivors, the goth, the uh, the male spouse who's supposed to be writing a book on it, and Jeffrey, the complete bellend. And that's it. 
Uh, the, that's, his, that's his actual credit in the movie, is Jeffrey the Bellman. We tried to watch the extra features, but they won't. There's no extra features on the disc. And then you get to the end of the movie, and it goes, "If you watch this movie backwards, there are certain subliminal images in there. The with lettering, the answers may surprise you. We've hidden special stuff in there." And it's like this was their attempt to like, you know, we've got an enormous gap created by the viral campaign and the this is actually real of the original. So what are we going to do for this uh, this second one? Ah, we'll put in subliminal messages. You know what? If you try and play my DVDs backwards, you You're are Satan. the devil. <laughs> so, <coughs> and, uh, is there anything else? Um, oh, there was a point. Like, when the guy kills his wife... Like he, she, like he throws her and she's swinging down and she goes, oh, and then dies and he just goes, fucking witch, which kind of reminded me of that bit in We Hate Movies when they were talking about the the what was it called, the Seventh Son, when Lots Jeff Bridges just goes, witch. fucking witches, mm. um, and yeah, this this cheap massacre, we finally get to see that play out and it's just it it looks horrible now. Je- Joe Burlinger, the director, uh, his career is mostly based on little scene but critically acclaimed documentaries, so that seems to be a speciality. I'm not going to badmouth him and say he's a shit director because um, you know he's done documentaries on oil and documentaries on murder and documentaries on Metallica, mm. um, all of which all are very awful. Highly rated. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, they've actually gotten some critical acclaim. But I mean, people don't tend to watch documentaries on mass anyway. But you know, it's, if you if you do an incompetent one, they'll let you know because uh, if if sixteen people yeah. saw your movie and they all love documentaries, then you're going to do well on Rotten Tomatoes. Indeed, yeah. Uh, so the, they ranked like the hundred percent, ninety five percent level. So obviously he's not completely incompetent. Um, and the studio apparently, as we said earlier, insisted on more traditional horror and hence the uh, the additional filmed scenes that they put in. Um, and they made uh, some editorial alterations, which he hated. And if we actually had the time to listen to the director's commentary, apparently he bitches and moans about it on there, mm. which would Maybe be... that's what you get if you play it backwards, the director's <laughs> But ultimately, um, every frame of this, every word, every action, every scrap of film that we saw was shit. It was garbage. And you can't re-edit this into a better film with extra footage or with removing stuff. The metaphor I came to eventually was ultimately he was building a house out of shit and they snatched the project away from him and made a bungalow out of shit instead. It's still a house you don't want to spend any time in. You walk through the door, you go, nah, this is bad. Let me just get me out of here. It's terrible. And it's 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 a I would rather spend the night in the actual Blair Witch house than in this shit house. I, I said to you when you uh, told me the title, I'm willing to bet there isn't a Book of Shadows in this film. We watched it all the way through. There wasn't a single Book of Shadows. That is a misleading title. Absolutely. Apparently, though, this was not the absolute nadir, the bottom end of the Blair Witch uh, series. Apparently, uh, Todd McFarlane made a Blair Witch action figure, which is like kind of to satisfy those fans who are like I'm so pissed off man you didn't have got to see the witch in the end it's like oh what if you did get to see the witch at the end I think she'd look a little bit like this and he draws like a, like a tree monster for those guys say, to she looks like she's made partly out of a tree and partly out of the house yeah and uh, yeah so that, that's for people like uh, that who really want to see the witch to, to buy and put in their bedrooms 
I'm assuming, is it from the same um, range as the Terminator oh, and the Alien? And- they never got the um, uh, license to use Arnold Schwarzenegger's face in the movie Maniacs. So it was the sort of the mangle-faced T-800. Like, it was still mostly there, but they, they ruined just enough of his face across both halves mm. that it wasn't obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger, so it looked awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Todd McFarlane made Leatherface and Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and a whole bunch of movie maniacs and then started running out of ideas nearer the end. <laughs> Uh, but Blair Witch was actually a relatively early on one because obviously that was 1999 and the year of McFarlane was around about 2000. So yeah, that's that's Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2. Atrocious. Nothing to do with this film. And because it's a meta film wherein the movie Blair Witch Project takes place within its fiction fiction, uh, you can disregard it. Like it's it's as much of a, a part of the series as the second Human Centipede, in which the Human Centipede is a movie within the fiction of the Human Centipede two, which is equally grim and horrible. Uh, although, yeah, th- th- this it barely even really qualifies as a horror movie. There's no like oh deaths at all, and I think like surely if you're just going to make it a more conventional horror. That's what you need, isn't it? Mm. More kind of, gore deaths, just to make people go, oh, that was terrible. Because we were like just coming up to sort of the fucking horrible torture porn era and, you know, Eli Roth. Oh, God. This is not what I wanted to see, but I imagine that the audience who hated this film, and they did, would probably have benefited a bit more from some more gruey, oh, head in a wood chipper Yeah, if if what the studio wanted was to put more um, actual... The inverted commas horror movie stuff what they did was all just like close up stabbings but because they're so close up they don't look at all scary it they lo- just look the, uh, fake blood spurts yeah I, I commented that this like conversely this was made for a much higher budget than the original Blair Witch Project let's compare shall we also, they had at least three opportunities for a jump scare, which they then didn't. Yeah, there's virtually no jump scares that I can think of. Blair Witch Project was $60,000, and Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 was $15 mil- Ooh. Wow. <sighs> Fuck. What did they spend it on? What a waste! They killed their series with that. I mean, you know, if they hadn't done that, they could probably have done like Paranormal Activity did and just kept doing shitty identical sequel over and over again until everyone was worn out with it. Instead, they just made one terrible sequel and then just lay dormant for many, many years. I was going to say that. Someone just tweeted from Nerd Corner Podcast. That film would be a perfectly possible B-grade horror film if it didn't have Blair Witch in the title. I was thinking that. Is is it just the high expectations? Is it that if it didn't have Blair Witch, people went in expecting something else? And I thought, no. No, Not at all. I completely disagree, Nerd Corner Podcast. It is a pile of animal shit that if it said Blair Witch 2, if it said Halloween 2, if it just said Witchy Poo Poo as the name of the title, and it was just literally called Witchy Poo Poo, The Witch That Scares You, it would be a pile <laughs> of goddamn no shit. I see that movie. <laughs> it is garbage. It's garbage. 
And it's it's not that, oh, it's just different to Blair Witch. No, it's garbage. It's doing the thing, it's doing the opposite of Blair Witch, but it's doing it really, really badly. And it's not that it's called Blair Witch and so there was expectations. It's garbage. So, you didn't like it then? Nope. Not at all. Not one bit. Depends how wide the the B grade category is for horror movies. A B grade, B grade horror film. Like it's Z grade. It's l- below Z grade. It's unwatchable. It's garbage. There's nothing, nothing good about it. B grade suggests that you're like, oh, that was good, or like just, I mean, the rest of it's crap, but that was good. Like that's something good. <sighs> So, yeah. I have to admit, it's very uh, unusual for scenes with lots of naked people in them to actually make me go, ugh. <laughs> That's just unpleasant. Yep. There's no creeping dread. There's no jump scares. So they neither... What, what are the three grades of uh, horror? They, the, they, they never chill you to the bone? Oh, the, well, the King's three mm-hmm. things of horror was basically um, terrify... That's the if, that's what the original Blair Witch does. Yeah, if you can't terrify, horrify. If you can't horrify, gross out. Horrifies usually with jump scares and well-timed sort of tension and boom moments, which is what movies tend to, sort of like more horror movies tend to be. I'd say no? that's bottom end of terrify. Horrify is the... Is oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Physical horror that, that's, you know, stabbings and messings up. and Yeah, what they were attempting to do with all those things. Yeah. And then they just causing you disgust and oh my god I can't believe that's so gory and disgusting it's none of those things mm. so how can that be B grade none of those things apply to end- it's, it's not it's barely even a horror film oh, it's, it's barely horror- even a movie they made it does that count <laughs> <laughs> okay now the third one Blair Witch what is that the guy who uploaded this video said it was from a tape he found in the Black Hills woods I think that might be my sister. You really think your sister could still be out there after all these years? If there is any chance that I could find out what happened to her, I need to try. Legend said there's been a curse on these woods. Do you believe in the stories about the Blair Witch? I'm so sorry. 
major spoiler warnings for Blair Witch. If you want to be surprised by the third Blair Witch film, don't listen to this review. It's going to have a lot more power if you don't know what's going on which just came out a couple of days ago for us. I think we're going to be releasing this a few weeks from now. Um, directed by Adam Wingard, the director of You're Next. Remember that one? Yes. I think so. Family get together, and then yes. there's a sort of a home invasion, and there's That's that excellent. one girl who's just really fighting back against uh, the attackers. It is excellent. Uh, I haven't seen VHS or The Guest, but I kind of want to now. The premise of this one is that James is the uh, younger brother of Heather from the original Blair Witch Project. And um, his uh, sister went missing when he was very, very young. And, uh, you know, all this time he's kind of wondered what happened to her in the woods. And um, so he gets uh, his, uh, I think it's his girlfriend, Lisa, and uh, his friend Peter and uh, his girlfriend, I think, Ashley, and that he gets together with three friends, Lisa, Peter, and Ashley, and they all get their tech together and decide to go into the uh, woods and try to find this house. Because basically, in this internal fiction, they never found the house. They found the, um, the, the burnt-out house, but it doesn't really match up with the footage that they got. And um, Okay, so James finds a recently uploaded video containing an image which he believes to be his sister Heather, who disappeared in the woods near Buckersville, Maryland, while investigating the legend of the Blair Witch, believing she is still alive. And this is weird, because whenever I saw him, him he occasionally sort of stares over to the middle distance and goes, you know, I just feel like she's, she's in those woods somewhere. I kept thinking, like, her body's in those woods somewhere. Like, it's been nearly 20 years now. Um, in fact, yeah, no, 20 years. 20, 22 years. And, um, you know, since the, because the original documentary footage is ostensibly from uh, 1994 and it gets found years later, um, which is, you know, the whole idea is this is, this happened several years ago when it was released in 99. Um, and I was just, it, it feels like he just wants some closure on this one. He kind of wants to find, you know, where she is and uh, kind of settle the whole, like, he's not fascinated with the idea of a witch. He just wants to know what happened to his sister. Um, and it's shot with little mini cams, like uh, ear mounted. Uh, so rather than them holding up these giant, like, handy cams, um, that it, it's it's all sort of like POV stuff, um, and so uh, he and his friends go into the uh, the uh, woods, uh, making a documentary, uh, basing based on the search called uh, named the absence of closure, um, and they uh, get in contact with the people who found and posted this footage uh, online, and basically it's like a shot from the end of the Blair Witch Project, uh, where. Um, uh, Heather appears to be running up the stairs and it's all from her point of view and she passes a mirror and you can see a face in the mirror and it's sort of dark and grimy and covered in mud. It, it makes uh, James feel like, you know, Heather was there in that house. So they meet the two people who uploaded that footage, uh, a, a creepy guy named Lane and his girlfriend Talia, who cut like they, they're residents of Burkittsville and they're kind of obsessed with the Blair Witch. So they're, they're, they're teenagers as well. So but that's kind of like slightly creepy, slightly weird, slightly gothy teenagers. So they go into the house. It's very nervous. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to tag along with you guys. Are you? And then suddenly you've got this weird kind of tension because there's two interested parties now, two uh, production teams making their own Blair Witch films sort of smushed together. And they go into the woods and and 
in a way, and Bob Chipman said this, this is a kind of an answer to all of the smart-ass kids in the past 17 years going, well, I would have done this, I would have done that, I got my GPS, I got this, I got that, I'm going to bring a drone with me. Uh, and they've got all the tech, they've gone to Radio Shack, they, they've made absolutely sure that they, they've put, packed plenty of food, they've you know, got decent tents, they're not going to get lost. They know to follow the creek if they do. No one mentioned that. Ah. But uh, they go walk through the woods and the, the, the four friends are sort of a bit wary of uh, Lane specifically. He was like this really creepy, hairy, fuzzy little guy. Talia is kind of the sort of a starey-eyed girl with purple hair. So, yeah, they're crossing the creek and uh, Ashley, one of the uh, two girls, hurts her foot because they all take their shoes off to cross the creek. Now, I thought to myself, there's one thing you didn't bring, Crocs. For when you're going to cross the creek, because you don't want to get your boots wet, but you slip on some Crocs, they can get completely submerged. You walk across the stony riverbed in your Crocs, you take them off, you shake them off, you hang them from a tree, they're dry, you stick them back in your pack for any time you need to walk across the river. Not a problem. That's really sensible. That's just what I was thinking. They don't do that. She cuts her foot, and boy, does she wish she didn't cut her foot later on. They they camp for the night, and then um, tensions begin to rise, and it becomes kind of a, you know, what are you doing? And then they wake up, and oh, fuck, there's like the Blair Witchy, um, like, straw doll, like the stick dolls sort of hanging up. And um, they're kind of freaked out, and they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is just like what happened in the Blair Witch Project. Then uh, it turns out that Lane has got some string in his backpack and they discover it and it's like, he, well, he was making this clearly to freak them out. And then they send him away, Antalya, and then like, there's a lot of shouting between them, but eventually they, they wander off. And then they go to sleep and then they wake up, but they wake up and it's 2 um, p.m. in the afternoon. I think that might have actually happened before that. Um, and there's been this weird time displacement. Uh, they wander around using their GPS to find their way through, but turn up back at their own campsite. The GPS ain't working. This is something I was thinking while watching Blair Witch 2. The whole, like, if you play it backwards, there's a secret code, and they have to play their footage backwards. Um, it, it, it seems It's so gratifying that the Blair Witch herself is keeping up to date with tech. She's like, right, I will make it. I'll hide secret codes in there, so it only work if you play it backwards, and you've got to play it at this resolution, otherwise you can't see it. And she's like, oh, when they find this out, they're going to shit themselves. <laughs> It's it just it's so specific and it actually kind of makes a lot it's it makes it more scary if the Blair Witch is more of a primal force that doesn't do that kind of like if she hadn't fucked with their GPS but um, their watches don't seem to work properly their GPS doesn't seem to work properly so all of that oh I'll just have had GPS that's for shit they're they're lost in the woods. They come across Lane and Talia again, and they're like, oh, my God, we've been wandering in the woods for five days. And they're like, what? But they seem disheveled and, like, you know, he's grown a lot more beard. So it's like, well, how is he faking that? That's that's mental. Okay. Um, and uh, Ashley, who her, her foot is starting to really get woozy, and, um, uh, they, like, they, they try and... Her, Peter checks her dressing and like it, it's sort of like <laughs> there's this weird kind of <laughs> thing crawling inside her foot and he, he's kind of freaked out and he gets away and then um, that night the shit doth hitteth the fan there's, there's more st- scary things and stick things and um, they go to sleep because they're like oh this is just bullshit we'll, we'll talk about this in the morning and they go to sleep and then they set their alarm for 7 o'clock 7 o'clock they wake up it is pitch dark and it's like, what's happening here? And after that, they're on the f- they're in the final act because it never becomes daytime again. 
they are trapped in a silent hill world of perpetual night. Uh, and they meet uh, Lane and Talia uh, again, and, and, and Lane's like, it's never, it's never daybreak anymore. It's always night. What it's basically doing, it's following the pattern of the original Blair Witch Project, but with a budget, and they're really they're being much more specific about things this time. It's rather than just, well, this could be just people fucking with them, or this could just be like, you know, it's, it's, it's more sort of, no, this is definitely happening. We really, we don't know what it is, but something really bad is happening that has made the situation like this. Peter goes running off into the uh, uh, forest, um, and is chased by something, ends up with a tree falling on him, and then we see from his point of view, there's sort of a sort of a <laughs> sort of sound, <laughs> sort of like creeping past him, and then he gets yanked uh, away, and then just something happens. So he's being stalked by something which sounds kind of like an alien or something out of you know how um, Super Eight makes those sort of. <laughs> type sounds mm. which for me actually made it less scary yeah because if it's more humanoid that's more scary if it's more of a sort of a strange alien creature that's like a, a sci-fi scary which is less scary i mean like okay. the alien itself makes noises that are more more like an actual predatory creature well, yeah i think that's the distinction the the bleeps and whistles from um, super 8 sound like attempts at communication yeah anything that's trying to communicate with you is a intelligent and b on a similar level of intelligence to mm. you or to humans so that automatically makes it less of a threat mm. lane and talia turn up at the camp lane gets chased away uh because they wake up and they're just surrounded by these um, straw man type dolls. And there's lots of sort of like flashes at this point. And uh, it's rather than it being um, like sort of bah in your face, I will say there's one particular, you know how it, I really hated in um, Insidious 2 specifically, how there's this sort of a sound on the piano that happens too often. In this, it's person talking to a camera and then someone that they know and like and who likes them turns up behind them and has just snuck in with ninja-like abilities and goes, and like, sort of like, like not playing a joke on them, just like tapping them, like you or I would just go, you know, hey. But they sort of go, like that. And it's like, it happens four times in the movie, I think. At one point, Ashley says, could people just stop doing that? Which kind of made me laugh because it's it's almost like um, like lampshading the fact we're doing this jump scare thing for the jump scare crowd. So it's the first Blair Witch movie with jump scares, and boy does it have a few like sudden like loud noise like sort of type moments. Um, so yeah, Talia's sort of there, and she's like been in the woods for days, and so she's like gnawing on a. Uh, uh, a protein bar and then Ashley wakes up and is like what's she doing here ah! and you're like oh my god she's possessed her or she's possessed her I don't know what's happening and then Ashley yanks down one of the Blair Witch um, st- uh, stick dolls from the uh, tree and goes oh what the fuck is this you put these up here snaps one in two and Talia snaps the fuck in two and like bends backwards on herself it's like a sudden horrible like whoever's watching her looks away for a second and then everyone's screaming and then they look back and she's basically bent d- double on the uh, on, on the uh, floor and it's like oh fuck it was a fucking voodoo doll all along oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck 
that's what that was. And then Ashley freaks out and runs off to try to find the drone, which stopped working and fell into a tree. And then she climbs up the tree in a painfully long sequence of climbing up the tree. You shouldn't do that, not with a dodgy foot. She like she pulls a horrible twig out of her leg, which has worked its way up from her, the bottom of her foot, and pus comes out. And then she climbs the tree. And, of course, like something grabs her and she falls out of the tree. It's the least scary death because you're just like, oh, come on, no one would do this. Not for a drone, come on. So, which leaves, because Peter's fallen, had a tree fallen on him. Talia's been snapped in two. Ashley's fallen out of a tree. Lane's missing, presumed dead. Um, a lot of these deaths seem to be twig-based. Yeah, it's a lot of twig-type stuff going on. It's very in keeping with the whole woody aesthetic Blair Witch thing. Creepy tree. So, yeah, it is, uh, as Bob Chipman said this, it is effectively a remake. It's a fan film, just sort of taking everything in the original Blair Witch Project and ramping it up to 11. One of the prevailing fan theories, I found this out today while researching, of the Blair Witch Project, which luckily clashes violently with the whole, well, obviously it's just Heather being lured out to be killed by these two guys, is that they actually enter a time warp. The reason why uh, they, they end up back in that house and it's fully standing is that they've actually walked back to the 1930s and so, you know, they're horribly killed. The backpack is left in the house. Then the house burns down and that leaves the backpack under the pile of ash, which is then discovered later. Which, you know, that's, that's a great theory. This movie according to an ad I think I read in Variety, pretty much confirms that fan theory in that when they, ent- they you know, James and Lisa are running around in the dark and, uh, and basically the whole idea of the fact that it was supposed to be seven in the morning, it's supposed to be daytime, but it's nighttime again, they're stuck in a time bubble. They, 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 they never discuss it, but time's already been fucked with, they can't get out of this, they can't get out of this time period, they're probably in the 1930s or some horrible Silent Hill version of reality. Again, it's never discussed, which keeps it ambiguous. Of course James and Lisa stumble on the house because it's a remake of the original Blair Witch Project and it's history repeating. James thinks he sees Heather through the window and uh, rushes in. And this is where the really fucking creepy like witch sightings happen. They're running around this house and they're like... Um, clearly Adam Wingard's like look when I get to do the house thing I am going to shit people up because it's like it, it was a terrifying murder house to begin with now we get to sort of explore the architecture but it's always so fast that we never really get an idea of the full geography of the house there's times when like um uh, we'll be seeing from James's point of view and he'll go through doorways and like the fucking witch will appear for a half a second in front of me like <gasps> like that and it's like a sort of a mangled corpse woman type thing but you never see her enough for her to become like oh okay well she, you know how like you can get an action figure of Giga's alien and stare at it and hold it in your hand and it's no longer scary anymore because it's a little quantifiable creature that's why making a model of the Blair Witch is the stupidest fucking idea that's why pinning down the Blair Witch is a stupid fucking idea so uh, James sort of runs upstairs to blah 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 one thing that gets seeded through earlier in the movie is that just looking at the Blair Witch is enough to kill you of fright and Basically, this is taking that whole going and standing in the corner thing and evolving that to people were standing in the corner because they did not want to look at the Blair Witch. If you stand in the corner sort of looking, you know, not behind you, then, you know, you're not directly looking at this Medusa-type being. Which, again, kind of... 
when this thing appears, there's kind of like a more of a feeling of it being like an alien force. There's they expand on the whole. She was uh, Ellie Kessler, Ellie Kedler. Ellie Kedwood. Ellie Kedwood was tied to a tree. Apparently, the townspeople also like tied very heavy rocks to her legs and arms, which was like a, a makeshift rack, and uh, so um, she was elongated as a result of that. So when you do get shots of the Blair Witch, it has unnaturally long arms and legs, which makes it seem less humanoid and more of a a Cronenberg-type creature. Or, if you will, a Slender Woman. But again, so fast that you can't really get a bead on it, which is how I like my monsters. So James ends up sort of locked in a bedroom. Lisa goes in after, again, you're like, oh, what the fuck was that? Uh, goes into the house, um, goes into the basement, and gets jumped by Lane, who's in there going, you have to do what she tells you! And then he clobbers her, chucks her down into the, the root cellar through this um, trap door, and then sort of bolts it behind him. And they mentioned earlier on that they, they found Rustin Parr's house and there were tunnels going to nowhere. And Lisa, then desperate, crawls through these tunnels. You remember the descent? It's the descent, and it's just that level of, like, it's just, like, as I said, these are claustrophobic films when they're done well. This one feels more claustrophobic than the, the first one. And so when it starts to really, like, close in on her and she's starting to panic underground, again, the actress, you know, really sells it this time. I was exp- like she's stuck in a sort of tunnel I was like oh my god she's going to get yanked from- away from behind it's going to be just like quarantine which is going to make this film end in a shit way and that doesn't happen I hate quarantine not even that much of a fan of Wreck especially not how Wreck 2 happened but she you know pushes out then um, using a knife gets through another trap door busts her way back into the basement again stabs Lane in the neck in self defence of course he's ferociously attacking her and then runs upstairs to find James finds James, lets him out of the uh, door they run away, find themselves in the attic and then, you know, even though there's a storm outside, suddenly there's these incredibly bright lights coming through the uh, slats and the shutters which again makes me feel like it's sort of like there's an alien force at work here it's not just a witch or something but it, it kind of kept me like, guessing like what's going on here and they're sort of in the attic and it starts going very very quiet and then and, and there's the storm going on and um, they realise that she's behind them and it's like you can't look at her and so they stand in the corner and it's like right let's not look at her like forever and, and then James appears to be talking to Heather turns around gets snatched away and then he's like oh my god Put, gets her camera and like sort of like directs it behind her so she can sort of see through the viewfinder like through the view screeny thing and sort of walks back <laughs> uh, it is this like the whole time I was sitting like with my hands up like this which is usually a good sign in a horror movie I'm so sorry <laughs> you hear James's voice going so sorry Lisa. she goes oh turns around <laughs> the end and it was like, well, that was a little bit cheap, but okay, uh, you shit me up royally for a good hour and a half. Okay, so that was Blair Witch, was it? Okay, right. So that's kind of added to the mythos. They haven't really confirmed anything, but there's a lot more to think about. And so I just sat there through, this, through the credits, and just everyone sat in sort of stunned silence, much like when I first watched the original Blair Witch Project. And of the three... It's the most slickly produced. It's the most skillfully directed... Um, it's the scariest because basically watching the original Blair Witch Project t- today again, I felt creeped out, especially by the end. But watching the original Blair Witch Project again after this, there was like no, just nowhere near that level of just really being ill at ease. 
because I, I knew everything that was going to happen. However, when I watch Blair Witch 2016 again, I won't be ill at ease because I know everything that's going to happen. The thing that was really, um, that I liked about this was the mystery of going in. Now, obviously, I'm going to put a precursor at the beginning of this one. If you actually want to see the film, don't see, don't listen to what I'm about to tell you because it loses all of its points after that. It was deeply unpleasant to sort of be there. Like Once it started falling apart for them, I did not like it. and I didn't enjoy watching it. I was engaged. I don't really want to see it again, but it was skillfully done. And the amount of shit people are leveling at this film... And you could say, well, maybe if it didn't have the name Blair Witch, well, it, it's if it didn't have the name Blair Witch, people would go, well, this is literally the Blair Witch Project because it is literally stepping back in time to just retread these these footsteps only um, it, with characters who are a bit smarter, less prone to immediately argue with each other, and with more points of um, tension. Um, like there's a um, Oh, the, there's a bit where the uh, the tent gets... Well, yeah, they're backing towards the tent, and the tent gets yanked up into the air, and there's a lot of kind of like sounds coming from the forest. So it's like, it's a really like evil dead force that's chasing them around. It's malevolent. It wants to, it wants to basically drive them insane and then possess them and then have them and then kill them. It's really, you know, just horrible to watch play out. I don't know what they were expecting to get from this. Like, uh, they actually, the, the production of it, they called it The Woods up until very recently because they knew that there would be a couple of years of um, internet going back and forth and going, no, 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 they're making another Blair Witch Project film. Nah, and they, everyone would be predisposed to hate it beforehand no matter what. But they kind of got that anyway because the internet moves so incredibly fast. Um, so it was always intended to be a Blair Witch sequel. It wasn't that they had a horror movie called The Woods and then decided to stick. And then ta- Blair Witch. no, this oh, is okay. there's nothing tacked on about this at all. This okay. is this is a film from to. someone who clearly re- like um, Adam Wingard met Marek and Sanchez at a convention and asked them, w- w- "You were going to make a third Blair Witch movie? What what happened to that? What happened to that was Book of Shadows Blair Witch Two, and everybody hated it because they killed the series." Yeah, so yeah, clearly Wingard really liked that film and wanted to make a chilling new version of it. But I would say it was like Aliens in terms of the idea that in the first one they go in and they're completely unprepared for what they get. In the second one they go in and they've kitted themselves out so much Mm -hmm. that they're almost cocksure about it. But they're never really like arrogant in the way that Hudson is. They're all just kind of like, it's... The guy playing James seems to be really serious about finding Heather, and um, no one ever really overacts. It's you know, it's it's never that it doesn't really put that many feet wrong. Well, it kind of makes sense because I mean, they they may be well prepared, but they're still not Marines. Yeah, uh, compared to Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two, this is what's the greatest horror movie ever made. You know everybody's going to have a different answer to this. Yeah. Okay, folks, uh, it's going to be different for everyone. Just think of the greatest horror movie ever made for this particular analogy. Um, That's the contrast. Yeah. I, uh, I'd i been told by a lot of people, including critics and people that I trust, um, that this is a horrible disappointment and, in fact, not to see it. I, I 
kind of have to see films because I have to be able to talk about them. Even if, like, when I talk about movies, most of the time I just assume people are going to see them so that we can get discussion It is very going. rare that you say, yeah. this is awful, don't can't see it. I did have that staunch opposition to Terminator Genesis, but that's different. That, that was kind of a, don't feed this beast. Mm. Stop making the, the only way they'll stop making bad Terminator films is if we stop going to see them yeah and you know nobody's going to listen to you and everybody's going to go and see yeah, them yeah I know anyway but, uh, but I mean like I saw in the space of uh, one day two films that I've been told not to see because they weren't good that's Blair Witch and Don't Breathe that turned out to be pretty damn good and one film which I've been told was pretty damn good and was really having reservations on and didn't really want to see but saw anyway and was awful and that's Food Fight. Like maybe my second worst film of the year after Batman v Superman. So take that with a pinch of salt. So yeah, in summation, uh, the Blair Witch series, I kind of hope that they... It probably won't be finished here, but they might not come back for a while. Mm. But I think it's a series that thrives on its mystery and it thrives on what happens in your head. From what you've just described, um, the... 2016 one does not sound like it immediately requires a sequel. No. It elaborates on uh, the original, but only in terms of, uh, of like, you know, okay, right, that bit in the house, let's do that, but, like, shit you up scary, rather than just, you know, the lowest possible budget. Um, like, very lean, straightforward of the original. Mm. It does also seem like it lends itself to a lot of, like, fan theory, like, craziness. Like, people can go, well, there's this whole time warp thing, and this witch has that kind of powers. And, um, I mean, my my theory would ultimately be that it's haunted ground. The witch herself has possessed the forest and can actually exert an incredible power over a wide area of land. Uh, and um, has the ability to make people feel and see all kinds of things to her whims. It's also likely that it's not all just coming from her. It's most likely that this is just a really evil forest and that some really bad primordial stuff happened there. And it's been a repository of that for millennia. It's more scary if those whims are more primal. The more specific it gets, the more she fucks with the tech, the more like specifically like nudging them in a very uh, focused direction, uh, the less scary it is because it becomes then about this cold alien intelligence mm. that likes well, to snack on people. When you see horror movies where a, a significant facet of it is that people are relying too much on their mobile phones and then they find that there's somewhere where their mobile phones mm. are useless, mm. then all of a sudden it becomes a parable about, ah, but you're using technology too much, you mm. see, and technology will not save you. And that is so po-faced and preachy that it cannot possibly be scary. Mm. And people are saying that this is a, a bomb because in its first weekend it made fifteen uh, million dollars. It only cost six million. So unlike Blair Witch, <laughs> so it 2, doubled its money in the first weekend. It more oh, than what a failure! <laughs> uh, basically, it it will make back as much. It's not going to. There will never be the runaway success of the original Blair Witch Project within this series. Mm. There will be. Like a, the, the, a paranormal activity, the next paranormal activity, the, the next Blair Witch that comes along will have that, but it's about the new. It's not about the rehashing the old. Mm. There are certain series where you can just keep adding to the, like, and making better and better sequels like Fast and Furious uh, where it does work like that. But there are certain series that require 
like you know, the fact that this requires mystery for each series, the more you look at it, the less mystery there is. So, you know, but ultimately, also, what's the point? A, a $60,000 movie is never again going to get wide release. Mm. That will never happen. I can tell you that now because the, the cinema setup these days is. In, in such a format that unless you have a reasonable degree of money behind it, it's simply not going to get into the multiplexes. Hmm. Paranormal Activity cost, uh, yeah, 15 million. That is shit tons more than the original Blair Witch Project. That one cost three times as much as Blair Witch. Oh, no, 15,000. I was going to say, yeah, that's 15,000, not 15 million. Okay, uh, can you take back what you just said then? Because Paranormal Activity came out in 2007. Seven. Okay, right. I will, yes, retract, because it obviously has happened since then. It can happen with horror, definitely. question whether or not it could happen now. I, I, Let's come back in seven years and see if I was right. I'd say also that for the five million dollars they spent on this, they really made that work. They um, uh, they they got a lot out of that five million. But like, I don't get why Book of Shadows cost that much. It doesn't make any sense. What was Book of Shadows? Fifteen million. Fifteen million, three times as much as this, and I can't think of a single thing that was money well spent. Mm. It's garbage. Where I mean, this shit me up. And um, probably would have done so less if the film theatre had been packed and every time someone went, oh, and, and turned up and there was a jump scare, a bunch of people gone, ha, 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 like that. Um, that would have actually been like, shut up, But um, just being on my own, just with like one person behind me, like very, very slowly, quietly moving. I was like, oh, like, can I move? This is horrible. Like, um just in a giant empty auditorium is uh, is creepy. Yeah, I think prudent would be to close this one down and go for a spiritual successor to the Blair Witch series. Explore something along these lines, but keep this one as shrouded in mystery as it is currently and try not to confirm any more. That's not going to be the case because Hollywood is Hollywood and Hollywood will keep doing everything until they flatten it and then they'll come back in a few years later. And I mean, they've done that once already with this series. Mm. They'll do it again. But that's my advice. We don't necessarily really need to talk about the internal fiction of Blair Witch. Everyone who you know really knows the film knows all about Rustin Parr, Coffin Rock. Um, and uh, it's creepy as fuck. I'm totally on board with the, the people who praised this uh, to, to begin with. I was one back in 1999. I still am. It has very... I mean, it's creepy now, but it's not scary, especially not after having seen the third one. Um, second one, pile of dog shit, just remove it from canon. And it, it is, thankfully, removed from canon. Although the uh, director, Adam Wingard, of the third one, was very careful to say, look, fans of Blair Witch 2, I'm not saying this didn't happen, but, you know, uh, this is in canon with the first one. And uh, since the second one is a meta film anyway, it doesn't matter, I guess. So The, the yeah. second one explicitly states that the first one is fiction. Yeah, bingo. And the third one... At this point, I think it's like 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's bound to go. It started off way lower. And I'm not saying they're wrong at all, the uh, the majority of critics who don't like this. But some people may actually get something out of it. So, just to clarify then, Blair Witch, the original... Yeah, has the Blair Witch Project. 
The Blair Witch Project, sorry, mm-hmm. has two sequels which take place in parallel universes, one of which the original Blair Witch Project film was fiction and the other, it was real. Oh, I forgot to add something. This was in the... Uh, um, this is a little bit mind-blowing. I didn't really even realise it until uh, um, I read this article. The thing about the time bubble. Um, the tape that is played at the beginning, showing that was uh, footage on YouTube that uh, these um, that uh, Lane and Talia posted from a tape that they found in the woods. Lisa, when she's running up the stairs in the house, is holding the camera and films that exact footage as she runs past the mirror. It's actually not footage from the original Blair Witch Project. It's her going past the mirror. She, her face is covered in uh, mud from being in, uh, in underground. And so that, that single frame when it flashes and zooms in on her is actually Lisa. They've somehow gotten hold of this tape from the future, or that's a tape out of time, an artifact, and they then posted that onto YouTube, which... Okay, fan theories away. Go for it, guys. <laughs> but again, that, that's just a thing, that if you pay attention, that's what happens. For me, it was just like, oh, so it's like history repeating, and I guess you're going to see her in the mirror. Oh, God. But I was so apprehensive at that point of seeing the Blair Witch in the mirror. I was like, no, that I wasn't going, oh, hang on, that's the footage. From the, so they were the tape, and the, how did they get the thing with the stuff and the blub? But yeah, that's uh, that's something to think about. And the whole idea of time displacement being uh, part of this uh, witch's abilities, it makes it much more mysterious and interesting and ambiguous in a way that the first film was in terms of the ending. And I really like it, and I think we'd kind of like to leave that at that again, rather than having everything confirmed or making a horrible meta-sequel, Blair Witch 4, Book of Shadows 2. (laughs) Blu-ray of Shadows. Yep. Got to update. Yes. Get with the times, witch. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, at, speaking of which, I believe in the new Rings film, um, Samara comes out of an iPad. So <laughs> she certainly comes out of a bunch of uh, t- uh, TV sets on a plane. So, like, even if you're on a plane, um, she'll get you. So, yeah. Yay. She can also come out your flat screen, even if you put it on the floor. And your laptop, even if you close it. Yep. Okay. Right. So, I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And school's School's out. out. The following excerpt is from Curse of the Blair Witch, which was the documentary that was released in the summer of 99 on general TV as the preamble to the release of the movie. Basically, this was the hoax. This was the This Is Real documentary, the the thing that was, was there to convince a lot of members of the general public that what they were about to watch was in fact the last days of these kids. And this is the major clue to the time displacement, which suggests in fact that Heather and company got beamed back to a lot earlier, even than the 1930s. So listen in on this. And if you haven't seen Curse of the Blair Witch, that is essential to release the companion piece to the original Blair Witch Project. Um, Enjoy. See you next week where we round off our spooktacular with an additional movie, or indeed movie series, 
that, depending on whether Trump gets into the White House, may in fact be a rose-tinted vision of the future. The Purge trilogy. What? Nothing. I don't know why you have to have every conversation on video, man. Tape some Because we're making a documentary. Not about us getting lost. We're making a documentary about a witch. I have a camera. Doesn't hurt, because we'll all look back on this and laugh heartily. Believe me. So we're, we're working over there, and, and all of a sudden, I, I hear kind of a commotion from the, from the other side of the foundation, and, and, and I hear, like, rocks banging together. Um, and we kind of ran around the side, and apparently what happened was that Pete was removing a, a stone, and a, a section of the wall just caved in. Nobody was hurt. This was only, this section of the wall by this time was only about four or five feet off the ground. Um, and so I, I checked, and, you know, nobody was injured. And I just told him, I said, you know, clear this out a little bit. And about 20 minutes later, Pete comes running up, and he's got a, this dirty old, uh, like, a, a backpack in his hand. By the way they had located those, it appeared that the stones had been there for, for many, many years and uh, had not been disturbed. So it makes you wonder uh, how someone had removed those stones forensically, in other words, stone by stone, carefully uh, not disturbing them and then putting them back in the same exact order that they were originally in the ground. Uh, makes you wonder why they were hiding them there, certainly not for someone to find them because they, they would probably stay there for years and years more if uh, they hadn't have done that anthropology uh, dig. What I recognized real quickly were a couple of 16 millimeter film cans. There was also what looked like some videotape uh, cartridges in there. Uh, this had nothing at all to do with colonial period stuff, of course, and so uh, I called the sheriff. Uh, footage was uh, found allegedly that was filmed by the three students. I uh, contacted a local color lab. We got it developed and I reviewed the film and all I found was the students themselves, some scare, scary noises in the woods at night and a few examples of that, but no concrete evidence on what happened to the students. Listen. Hello? Hello? It's all around us. This uh, backpack was found in, in a sterile soil, which is like the bottom of a site. It just, you know, from there to the middle of the earth is just dirt. Uh, the original house at the site had burned down, and so there was a layer of ash that was like sitting in, in the interior of the house, like the basement. So this, this knapsack had been in sterile soil uh, with no evidence around it of disturbance. Along, over the top of it was an undisturbed layer of ash, and the whole thing was boxed in by uh, a, a basically a colonial-era wall uh, that was undisturbed. Uh, it was... It, 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 uh, even a forensic expert could not have put that thing into the site without disturbing the charcoal, the wall, or sterile soil. Um, it was as if it materialized. And, and of course that's not the language of science, so I can't, I, I just don't know what to say about this really. At the time that the footage was found, it was, it was scary, it was very, very eerie. Um, 
and it's not something that I really want to look at. To tell you the truth, I, I, I've kind of avoided it. Um, I really don't, I don't feel too comfortable with seeing the last few days of my brother's life on, on video. I really just don't feel too comfortable with that. It's, it's very eerie. Well, when, when they found this videotape or film, recordings of whatever it was, uh, immediately the, the Blair Witch business emerged and people became superstitious and they said, well, maybe this is connected to the Blair Witch. Well, I, I thought it was kind of fishy myself. I looked at the whole thing as possibly a hoax or whatever, but, but it was still strange. After reviewing the film, I still thought it was a hoax. Well, there's always that possibility, but um, I, I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think it would be remote that it's a hoax because of the way the tapes were hidden and uh, the, the fact that it, just to view the tapes, they are very realistic and they do, the tape is from a time period that the students would have been able to have taped it. Boots are at least. <laughs>